Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we speak with Cenk Uger, founder of the Young Turks, about the rise of Donald Trump, how to build a digital news empire, and why he thinks MSNBC is toast. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Stephen Perlberg. I'm here with Jack Marshall. Jack, how are you? Doing great, Steve. Nice and rested after the yes. long weekend. We had a long weekend, uh, free of, of, of all news and information, but now we're back. And we've been doing this podcast a couple weeks now, but we've, we haven't talked about, I think, the elephant in the room, so to speak. No pun intended. The, there's an election happening. There is. And we're really excited because we're joined by an expert in all things politics. Uh, Cenk Uger is here. He's the founder of the online news show, The Young Turks, a, a political commentator on television, a longtime voice in all, all things politics. And uh, he's got a new show coming up uh, on Fusion, a sort of 12-week series uh, for the final stretch of the, of the campaign. Cenk, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Good. So thank, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, we've been doing this, this media and advertising podcast. We haven't really talked about the ele- election yet. So um, we need you to, as the political mind, uh, tell us what, what's happening. <laughs> uh, well, uh, God help us all. That's what's happening. <laughs> um, so uh, both candidates, as you guys know, are deeply unpopular. The two most unpopular candidates we've ever had in American history uh, and Hillary Clinton probably would be getting routed by anyone else. But uh, since it's Donald Trump, she's winning, but not winning by that much. And uh, and Donald Trump would probably be down 20 points to anyone else. But because it's Hillary Clinton, he's within five points of her. And in swing states like Florida and Ohio, he's within one to three points of her, which is amazing and uh, scary. So this is you've, – you've been – around uh, covering politics, talking about politics for you know, years, and, and this has got to be sort of one of the weirder media spectacles that you've dealt with, kind of as a business owner. So I, maybe we should back up and talk about the Young Turks and sort of how it started and, 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 and how it exists now. So um, it sort of started as a radio program, right? Yeah, it did. That's right. As a serious satellite radio show. And then it now more recently has morphed into uh, – a large YouTube network. Uh, you sort of have other other shows and other programs under that umbrella. Yeah. And, and now uh, you do a, a sort of daily live show, mm-hmm. and that and, and that that's sort of the the business model. But I'm curious, like, how has this election been different from your coverage standpoint? I mean, do you view sort of Trump as a media spectacle is very different than the other things that you've talked about in prior years? Yeah. So actually, that's a great question because it melds together. The different uh, topics we're discussing, politics and media. So I, I worked on television on MSNBC, Current TV. we got the Fusion Show coming up. I worked in radio for mm, far too long. <laughs> I think about 15 years. Uh, I've worked uh, online now for 10 years. And, and the reason I, I bring that up in this context is I think that the old school media guys on radio and TV can't wrap their heads around what's happening. Whereas when we're on new media... Uh, and we do the show online, we have this great connection with the audience that allows us to have a much better beat on what people are thinking because we literally get tens of thousands of comments every single day on our YouTube videos, on our Facebook videos, on Twitter, on email, in every way imaginable. 
So I actually predicted, and I even, I don't know if I'm allowed to. I guess I run my own network. I'm allowed to do anything I want. Um, <laughs> that's part of the benefit of being online and not, not connected maybe to sort of old media. That's right. So I, I, I bet one of my other hosts uh, that Donald Trump would win back in June of 2015. The, win the, the whole No, no, win the, the primary. Nomination, yeah. Win the nomination, right? And then I doubled down in October of 2015 with, uh, with someone else. And... The reason we could tell that Donald Trump was going to win, and I think traditional media couldn't, is because we have that connection. And so the audience, and hence the American population, is angry. They're really angry, and they're in a populist mood. Are YouTube comments ever not angry, though, in all fairness? <laughs> no, no. You know, the, and, and believe me, <laughs> Trump would say, believe me. Uh, <laughs> you I, wouldn't believe the comments. Over. Yeah, they're tremendous. They're tremendous. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, look, I, I get probably as much hate as anyone ever online. Um, but having said that, I think they're largely positive. Um, the YouTube comments, Facebook comments, etc. I mean, we've got a great audience that loves us, and so they've been wonderful to us. And so there's good comments, there's bad comments, and, and you can see them changing over time. So it's not, it's not like it's a static thing, and okay, there's just trolls, and that's all you have on the internet. No, no, no. If you, if you skim them, read them, analyze them, you get a sense of it. And so the guys on TV, let's just keep it real, they're very comfortable. So uh, I remember when I was on MSNBC, I was very comfortable. <laughs> okay. And if you're making that much money- um, You're not as plugged into the, to the audience. You're just not. You're not listening to the comments. You're never in the middle of Ohio. You're surrounded by people that are like-minded, uh, that are, uh, are in the same demographic you are, especially income-wise. Is and, that because you don't need to be or because it suits your interests not to be? If that makes sense. Oh, that's a great question. The answer is both. So part of the problem with money in politics, for example, is that uh, our senators and congressmen are literally spending 50% of the day on the phone with millionaires. Please give me money. Please give me money. So all they talk to is millionaires. So they're, they live in a bubble where that's the almost the only thing they see. So that is a huge part of the problem that people don't recognize. Now, the other part of the problem in, in TV and the rest of the media is – yeah, they're incentivized not to notice the problem because they're part of the problem. So, for example, in the beginning, before Trump couldn't raise any money, <laughs> they were slated to spend $4 billion this year in advertising for this campaign on television alone. Now, if you're a TV executive and you're about to, as an industry, make $4 billion, let's not rock that boat. So let's not talk about uh, the frustrations of people and the money in politics and the populist anger. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Let's just keep this thing going exactly as it is because we're all getting rich off of it. But that's a big opportunity for guys like you, right? Exactly. So then here comes disruptors online like us. So uh, there are others, but we're the biggest. <laughs> and so the Young Turks has handed this enormous business opportunity. So, look, we're super lucky. My six-year-old son has this thing where he says, lucky me. <laughs> lucky me. Look, I got this toy, right? <laughs> For me, it's like, oh, my God, lucky me. They handed me the entire audience. I happen to already be of this ilk. That's why I rejected the offer from MSNBC. That's why I left TV. That's why I've been doing online media for 10 years. So I was already of this mind anyway. And as it turns out, that what the audience wants is an outsider point of view uh, that doesn't cater to the insiders, which is almost all of what television does. CNN is 
in a world of hurt. Their average age of their audience is 64 years old. They All they do is programming for insiders. They hire people that used to be White House spokespeople and, and uh, communication directors for both campaigns. I mean, Jesus, Corey Lewandowski, that's when they jumped a shark. Uh, well, I mean, look, to be fair, they jumped the shark long, <laughs> long time ago. But and, and so in an environment where they are doing programming for insiders, which is at most 2% of the audience, and they hand us 98% of the audience that wants to hear some degree of truth and some degree of, hey, you're actually right to be mad. But let's talk about the rational reasons for that and how we can begin to solve it. Great. Great. You mentioned it sort of as a business opportunity, not just open space to run in from maybe like the editorial side. What is the makeup of of, describe your business model? So you you do have sort of YouTube ads and then you also have a subscription service. What percentage breakdown are we talking about? Is it sort of mostly an advertising business or are you are you coming in sort of mostly from the subscriber base? So we actually make money in several different ways. Uh, The two biggest are sales and subscription. I'd say they're running close to even right now. So when uh, you say sales, how, how does that differ from subscription? So sales is the ads that run before the videos. Okay. So, so the, your pre-rolls on YouTube, sure. okay. uh, your uh, branded advertising, um, et cetera, your distribution deals where companies pay uh, to to be part of your network or to run a video on your network, et cetera, right? Uh, and then subscription is people pay 10 bucks a month to get the full two-hour Young Turks show, Plus a whole bunch of other new shows we have for just members, like our post game show, our TYT classics, old school, progressive progressives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they get a r- really nice package. They're very happy with it, and that that side of the business has quadrupled this year, just so far this year in eight months. Do you think that? I mean, the, does that uh, happen? Has that happened before in election years, or is this election people are really hungry for political content more so than other years? <laughs> It's definitely a little to do with the election, no question about that. But uh, it also has to do with just our growth. Uh, you know, we, we've had exponential growth, not just through the election, but before that too. So every year, we, since 2009, we've grown 50% in views every single year. So when you, you know, pile that up, and we're in 2016, that we're at over 80 million unique viewers a month now. So at that at that kind of scale. Then as we market the subscription, you get more and more people signing up. One of the the bigger topics in digital video this year has definitely been the rise of Facebook, Facebook video. I know you guys do a lot on YouTube. You do a lot on Facebook as well. Has that really changed in the past year? Are you seeing huge growth on Facebook? And do you view that with... Uh, as Do you view that as a growing opportunity? Or do you think that YouTube is a, is a better home for you? Both. So I, I love YouTube. YouTube is a great home for us. Uh, we were their first ever partner. We've done almost every beta with them. We were the first to do YouTube Mobile Live. We actually uh, did Mobile Live on Susan Wojcicki's speech announcing Mobile Live. <laughs> <laughs> and so they trusted us to do that. Great partner, great home. Uh, Facebook has had huge growth. And so happy to do both. We just crossed 5 billion views uh, lifetime, and 4.5 billion are on YouTube, uh, but we now have uh, half a billion on Facebook. And uh, at the beginning of last year, that was at zero, because new Facebook video is new. So in about a year and a half, we, we hit half a billion views. That's great, great growth. 
So I'm very bullish on Facebook. Do you view that as a business opportunity going forward? Because as it stands right now, obviously Facebook's sort of early days when it comes to the monetization side of that. Do you think that they're going to you know, sort of get that in order in a way that you as a producer are going to like? Yeah. I mean, we, we like it already because in the news side, in the news vertical, we're almost a must carry. So whenever people do deals, uh, we're usually in that batch. So we were in the batch uh, that Facebook did uh, early monetization with. Yeah, payments <laughs> for Facebook Live. Okay. However we want to frame it or <laughs> – Don't worry. I wrote that story. So I <laughs> – Okay. So we're in that group. You yeah. know what that is. Okay. Uh, and then in terms of monetizing on ads, I keep saying they're Facebook. I'm pretty sure they're going to figure it out. And hadn't happened yet. <laughs> As Bush used to say, uh, but <laughs> but uh, of course they are, of course they are. So I, I'm not worried about that. If you if you got a business that's a little bit more precarious and you really need your next round of funding, and you were hoping for that Facebook revenue in the last six months, yeah, then then that's a real big issue for you. But if you've been around like we have for a decade and you're going to be around forever. They figure it out this quarter. They figure it out next quarter. It's going to be fine either way. Do you think a lot of media companies are in that position when it comes to Facebook? They're just kind of trying to hang on until the, the monetization starts coming in, sort of from a video perspective maybe? Uh, kind of. So, uh, <laughs> look, how shall I put this uh, politely? Okay. Um, <laughs> you don't need to. I know, and, <laughs> and knowing me, I won't. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of companies who've done great on Facebook by um, buying views. Let's just keep sure. it real. Okay, that's what happened. And to be fair, on YouTube and some of those other That's right. Too. That's right. But it's much, much harder on YouTube. It's fairly easy on Facebook. You can buy views. You can buy likes. We don't do any of that. Our audience is an insane 100% organic. Okay, so uh, so sometimes people come in and they'll get a round of financing and they'll get 20, 30, 50, whatever million dollars, right? And they'll be like, all right, I got $30 million. Let me just buy some stuff on Facebook. And then they'll go buy it, and they'll get huge. And then uh, they're like, okay, well, it's not monetizing at all, but it's okay. I still got $15 million in the bank. So I don't know when those guys run out of money. <laughs> I, I'm not in their, uh, you know, in their board meetings, and I, that's not what we do. We're building a sustainable business. We're going to beat CNN. We're going to be the global news leader in the world when it comes to video. And so we're not – Run, run those scams about, okay, uh, how can I get the next round of financing and is Facebook monetization going to get there quickly enough? What is, I mean, your your strategy to beat the CNNs of the world? I mean, going forward, where do you see the company growing? Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have read Malcolm Gladwell's David and Goliath, uh, and I am just, just picked it up. And I'm like, my God, he wrote the book about us. <laughs> okay. And so and his um, proposition is that David was not the underdog. He was the favorite because the slingshot at the time was basically like a gun. So Goliath is sitting there, this big giant who can't move, and he's got a giant sword. Who cares? David's on top of the hill, goes boom, hits him with a rock, kills him. Too easy. So that's, that's in essence, our strategy. CNN has this immovable uh, system. They're locked in, and they cannot move the ship. So, for example, passionate beats dispassionate. Every time. Every time. That's why Fox News killed CNN and MSNBC on cable news. So, But their business model is, I'm going to have news at, what I call news actors, and they're going to read the script that their producers wrote for them. That's all they're going to do. And they're going to read the questions that their producers wrote for them, 
And that's why Wolf Blitzer never asked a follow-up question. You could say, hey, um, my mother was an alien, and that's why she decided I should run for president. And he'll move on to his next question, because he's an actor. He's not an anchor. So we have news anchors who are passionate, who care about the news, and we... We don't care about access, so I don't care if a Republican never comes on my show again. I don't care if a Democrat never comes on my show again. So I can offend them all I like. And in doing so, we are going to be as honest as we possibly can with the audience. Our business model is so much better than CNN's. They have no chance. And like, so when I started the show in my living room as a radio show 14 years ago, you might have said, you're dreaming, son. That's crazy talk, right? But right now, uh, we already beat CNN every demographic under the age of 24, according to Comscore. And Comscore way undercounts us because our audience is more mobile, and they haven't started counting mobile yet because our audience is younger. Okay, great, though. And then in every other category, it's CNN 1 and TYT number 2. So we're number 2 in everything above 24, number 1 in everything under 24. Now, if I've got an audience that's uh, 70% 18 to 34-year-olds, and they have an audience that's 64 years old, and I'm gaining ground on them every single month, we know how that movie ends. I mean, is that is that from an advertising perspective that, you know, eventually the advertisers are kind of chasing sort of young viewers and that you guys are better positioned for, from that perspective? Or you just think sort of the cable news mo- as a, the cable news business model, which has been extremely successful for many years, that that's just going to go away and the sort of digital guys will, will come to the fore? Well, they're screwed in two different ways. So uh, one is on the advertiser front, yes, even though digital is about 50% of the audience, we only get 20% of the advertising revenue because the advertisers are the slowest people on earth. You want to talk about Goliath, right? They're like, oh, I will move a decade later into things that are <laughs> rational, right? But at some point, the dam's going to break and they're going to go, what are we doing? We can't, we're not selling anything. We're n- because I know a, a giant brand that told us that above the age of 35, they're number one. And then they did a study recently about a year ago, and they found out under the age of 35, they're number seven and dropping. Jeez, they're like, what happened? We're, we're a brand for people under the age of 35. But that's starting to change with online video. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, yeah. You know, so, that's, well, that, uh, well, that's exactly it. They realize, oh, no, all of our ads are on TV. And no one under 35 is watching TV. Right. So in a panic, they're now beginning to change and start to advertise online. So that's point one. Point two, real quickly, is on the... Uh, cable business side, two-thirds of CNN's revenue is comes from cable subscribers, not from advertising. Only one-third from advertising. Right. Those subscribers are dropping approximately 4% a year, but soon will be 10% a year. So at some point, they will not be able to meet their costs. They just won't be able to. I don't know what they do then. They're going to hit that iceberg, and they're going to hit it hard. All right. We'll have more with Jenk uh, right after this. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix Podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. All right, we're back uh, with Cenk Uger from the Young Turks. Uh, we were just talking sort of about well, the future media, television. I know that you guys are involved. You, you, uh, you're on Roku, right? You sort of have these over-the-top deals. You are talking about cord cutting just a minute ago and, and sort of how crowded the cable dial has become. But Jack and I were talking about this earlier, and it's, it seems like when it comes to over-the-top, 
there are so many companies now trying to get on that that it almost looks like the cable dial in that you're just there, I have an Apple TV and I'm scrolling through and there's so many choices. So how do you view that? You know, in terms of the future of your business, do you think over the top will sort of be a big part of that? Yeah. So over the top, no question, is going to be a giant part of it. And you're right; it's very hard to tell which of those. Uh, Companies, apps, etc., are going to work. So we've done deals with the ones that we think are, are best positioned, and we've done plenty of them. So give so Roku being one of them. Uh, yeah, Pluto uh, is working really well for us, uh, and uh, Watchable uh, on Comcast. And you know, I, I forget the whole list, but we're all over it right now. We got a great deal with Amazon uh, that's starting to work really well. And so we believe that there are going to be a number of pillars to our business, YouTube, Facebook, maybe Amazon, and certainly at least one of the OTTs. So you've got to be in enough places to know what's working and what's not working and to be able to pour resources into the things that are starting to take off. So, for example, on Pluto, uh, we got some numbers back, and I thought, okay, the number of viewers is okay for a budding business. God bless, right? I'll take it. And then I looked at the revenue and I thought, whoa, that's a really nice number for that number of viewers. So what, what in the world's going on? And you just look a little bit more into the numbers and it turns out it's because people are watching us on average for 90 minutes. So they're getting a lot of ads in 90 minutes. Here we are back in the TV model. So now we're in business. So once that starts to that engine starts to rev, watch out. Do you see those platforms as sort of a a place where people discover your content or is it more about sort of ease of consumption for example you know i might might find you on youtube and then be at home on my roku and be like oh hey i can you know i can stream it easily through my tv or whatever it is yeah so the answer is both so in, in the old days there was worry about competition and uh, for example tyt and vice is that competition uh, and the answer is no because we're in an ocean of content so if they're watching Vice, they're more likely to watch The Young Turks, not less likely. Vice versa as well, right? In that case, I guess, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, so, and also, hey, are you going to cannibalize your audience? No. In our experience, every new platform we go on, our audience grows. So some will find us on Pluto. And, in fact, we started getting emails and tweets. Oh, I was flipping through Pluto or I was flipping through my Apple TV and I was flipping through Amazon, and I saw you guys, and that was amazing, and I started watching, and now I'm watching more regularly, yada, yada. Or, hey, I was watching you guys on YouTube, and then I saw that I can get the whole thing on Pluto, and gets amazing, and I'm watching that way. So all of that just keeps growing the business, because in an, in an ocean of content, you've got to build an island. So the more people you can attract to your island, the better off you are. So send out as many boats as you can, gather up folks, bring them back to your island until you build a continent. Or build a few islands on all of these different platforms. Yes, yes. <laughs> and eventually a, a continent will rise out of that. Does your uh, politics sort of as a you know more, more progressive show, does that inform some of the business decisions you make? So you know, are, are certain platforms more likely to generate sort of young progressive viewers versus, versus others like you facebook i think would be a good example it seems like there are just so many different political ideologies on there but i'm curious if there are certain platforms that work better for what you guys do so our uh, political ideology affects us in a couple of different ways uh, but probably not in a lot of the ways that people imagine so first off um among millennials we are absolutely the mainstream 
If you look at a poll of political opinions of uh, millennials, it matches the Young Turks ideology, I swear, nearly 100%. So, you know, I don't know if we had anything to do with that. That's great. If after 10 years we had a little bit of an effect or lucky me, I just happen to have the right political opinions, right? So that's fantastic. And so we got lucky that way. We're super mainstream. So we don't lose much audience. There aren't a lot of young Republicans out there going, oh, golly gee willikers, you know, these guys don't even wear bow ties. (laughs) So now there are a bunch of libertarians, but but they're open to what we're saying because they know we're honest. And they go, a lot of times they'll say, I don't agree with all the stuff that you say, but it's interesting and it's a good conversation. And it's interesting that you view yourself as a digital rival to CNN versus, say, an MSNBC, which, yeah. which might be you know more aligned politically with with you guys. Yeah, I mean MSNBC is toast. So why do you say that? So first off, uh, they have no idea what they're doing. What, what is their brand? Our our brand is blah. Okay, before they were progressives, and we we knew they still had Morning Joe for like 18 hours a day, but you knew they were trying to be progressive, and they were bringing that into daytime. And by the way, that's when they were beating CNN. But as usual with management, they go, okay, that was working. Let's go away from that. Uh, and so they had a little ratings bump and or decline, and they panicked, and they're like, okay, okay, what's the CNN's beating us? Let's be more like CNN. Right. <laughs> what are you? You're going to be CNN light? No, that's a terrible business model. You have to super serve your audience. So MSNBC doesn't even know who their audience is. Who are they super serving with bland? So they're done. Look, some of these cable companies are going to fall into the ocean much quicker than people realize. So ESPN, the gold standard of cable, is struggling. Now, if ESPN is struggling and you already lost Pivot, you lost Al Jazeera America, and these things like they're like the glaciers falling into the ocean, gone, gone. At some point, people are going to be shocked if, I don't know, a year and a half, two and a half years from now, they're like, no, MSNBC is out of business. You think sort of major TV brands, because you, you hear that a lot, the sort of big shakeout media. People were predicting that two years ago, and it still hasn't happened, right? Were they? Uh, then I, They were a little over-exuberant. <laughs> so two years ago, there was still some runway, uh, but they were running out of runway quick. So this election is gonna get, has given them a little bit of a bump. After they're, the election? Oh, they're going gonna, gonna... to gonna crash hard after the election. So And, and then we're going to really start to see talk of how MSNBC... So look, it, they're not progressive anymore, so they're not competition in that way. Right. And I appreciate that they gave their entire audience to us. That was a very nice present on their part to us. <laughs> uh, lucky and <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and so, and in terms of the future, there is no MSNBC in the Philippines. There is no MSNBC in most of the world. Our audience is 50% international. We're going to be the global news leaders. We already are for under 24, right? And, and so when I go abroad and I go to Netherlands, I go to Britain, I go to wherever I go, um, people recognize me. Hey, Jenk, what are you doing here, et cetera, et cetera, because we got a huge audience. CBS has no international audience. MSNBC has no international audience. They're not a real competitor, so I, I'm, I'm not at all concerned about them. I'm going for the top. So I think CNN is has a strong enough brand globally that that's that's our target. So you've you've have a lot of experience in television. You have a show, an upcoming show. We're talking obviously a lot about the future of cable, but you clearly see it as a viable enough uh, business to do something now. So why is that? I mean, what what does TV still have to offer you? Is it just sort of a, a reach play? Is it uh, the fact that we're in the middle of an election? So all all content is good content for, from your perspective? So uh, 
a little bit of all. So first off, um, I believe in all platforms. So TV is a platform. So it's an overhyped platform. And what I've been trying to explain is overhyped for about a decade now. But uh, but it's still a healthy platform with plenty of viewers, plenty of revenue. So it would be weird and childish to say like I'm not going on TV, <laughs> right? Like on principle, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know what that principle is. So, so of course we'll do TV as long as there's a clear understanding that nobody messes with our editorial. So if somebody wants to do a deal with us, but they say, but no, there's no buts. You're either going to get the Young Turks or you're not going to get the Young Turks. So Fusion has been a terrific partner, uh, and we agree we're like-minded, no issues with editorial. And what it does is it allows you to do fun, different things. So we're going on college campuses, Harvard, Michigan, USC, all these fun, fun campuses, uh, hopefully big crowds. Uh, And without Fusion, we wouldn't have been able to do that. So it's a win-win for everybody. Hopefully, Fusion wins, we win, the audience wins, they get something new and different. So it would be crazy not to do that. Do you think that in today's political landscape that you – I mean, you guys, you you know, you want to take on CNN, you want to continue to grow. Is it difficult to find sort of new progressives just because there's so much media out there, there's so much that caters to that particular political ideology. We had the CEO of, of Mike.com in the uh, podcast room a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of people fighting for these eyeballs. And how many more progressives, people that would tune into the Young Turks, are, are out there? Well, the whole world. <laughs> you know, because... Uh, I- so it's more an international play. You view that as as a real growth vehicle. Yeah, because think about it this way: it, we we've talked about it in terms of progressives, and that's fair because that's where I line up ideologically in America. Uh, but in reality, the, the the perspective that we care about and that we represent is the outsider perspective. So, you know, we're not guy. We don't care what Jay Carney thinks or David Axelrod or or Lewandowski or any of those guys boring. It's one insider perspective versus another insider perspective. So for us, coming at it from an outsider perspective, that's almost everybody. That's 98% of the audience all across the world. So if you're sitting in Botswana or you're sitting in the middle of Munich, it it doesn't really matter. That guy is not in power. How do you get into those markets? I mean, do you, a vice, for example, striking all kinds of TV deals with distributors there, is that a route that that you guys view uh, yourself taking, or, or it's more just kind of kind of get on the ground? Well, so I, I don't, I can't speak to what we'll do in the future in terms of TV distribution deals in in the international scene. But um, I can tell you what our strategy is right now, which is you know CNN, for example, brags there we're we're in a hundred million homes. So what? You know, I'm in at least a billion pockets. So when you take your your smartphones, there's approximately a billion, soon to be three billion smartphones all over the world, uh, let alone laptops, desktops, etc. So that's how I get in, and it costs me nothing. It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess since we're talking about distribution, I mean, obviously Facebook has sort of been written about and talked about a lot in the run-up to this election. Um, I thought last election was the Facebook election, and this is the Snapchat this election? This is the second Facebook election? This, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. I mean, there's also been a lot of talk about kind of the concept of a filter bubble and, you know, people sort of consuming news and then, you know, that becoming like a self-perpetuating thing. And I wonder to what extent is that good for your business model in a way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, 
Trump, I, I know we're, you know we're likely to talk about Trump because he's, he's unavoidable, right? But um, I bring him up in this context because during the primaries, uh, everybody thought Trump was the big, biggest ratings draw. Uh, and on TV, he was. But online, he wasn't. He was number two. Number one was Bernie Sanders. So, but at the same time, a ton of people would watch our Bernie Sanders videos, and then a ton of people would watch our Trump videos. And so some of them love him, some of them hate him, and in, in the whole range. Look, one of the things that I get from um, from viewers when we do fan meetups is uh, I always ask them two questions. Where did you first see us? This is like my focus group. And uh, and uh, second question is, why do you watch us? And one of the most common answers is, what else would I watch? So when you think about it, if you don't have TV, you're under the age of 35, you don't have TV, which is a big, big percentage of them. And, okay, you can get your news from a lot of people do good work, like you mentioned Mike. Okay, great. They do great work, Vox, et cetera. But not, there's no other news shows, shows, right? So um, where else would they get their news? So we've got the progressives, we've got the libertarians, we got everybody. And and so, and the most gratifying thing to me, by the way, just put aside the business for a second, is when somebody comes up and says, I used to be an evangelical Christian, I used to be conservative, I used to be this, I used to be that. One girl came up to me in New York and said, I used to be racist and you changed me. So it doesn't get any better than that. Do you, th- you think, I mean, to Jack's point, that it's more difficult to convince if part of your your drive is to sort of convince people of of a certain you know political worldview that it's more difficult in today's media environment to do that because when I look at my feed I get a very custom tailor made feed for me and you get one for you and everyone how do how do you even change how could you possibly change your view when you're when you're consuming all of your news through the filter that's for you. Yeah, I know people say that, and I know that that's got to be real for a lot of organizations. Otherwise, people wouldn't constantly talk about it. But it, in our experience, it's not real for us. Part of the reason is we're so ubiquitous on online that another common answer I get about how they found us is, I don't know, I was doing a search online, and I came across one of your videos. I had uh, a very respected journalist tell me, I did. I was like, I didn't know what it was, Young Turks, right? So I ignored the first one. I ignored the second video. My third one, I was like, damn it, let me check this thing out. I do what feel it- like you guys are like the related video in every like political topic on YouTube. <laughs> like, on the, your face is along the sidebar, and you know if you're searching for really anything, so yeah, probably so sort not of a bad just, place to be. Yeah, just sort of you guys have a huge library of content about every issue, probably. So if someone's searching, that's right. They so to. they they come across us uh, almost no matter what, and um, and. There's also a lot of hate watching, which is not a bad thing. So I don't know if you guys oh, saw Private Parts, uh, Howard Stern's movie. Of course, yeah, big okay. Private Part fans on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And I grew up listening to Howard. And uh, first uh, interview I ever did with was a Pittsburgh paper, and they described us as part Howard Dean, part Howard Stern, which I love that description. Right, <laughs> it was a great honor for me on both fronts. So anyway, um, so in that movie, you know, you remember there's a famous uh, part where. Oh, the people who love him listen for an hour. Oh, the people who hate him, they listen for two hours. So we, we've got plenty of hate watching. Uh, probably our number one viewers are our trolls. They can't wait to get on every video, watch every video, pick apart every single second. Bless their hearts. I mean, they, they're part of our business model. I mean, a lot of your your business is sort of, we were talking about the, the sort of typical news show, so anchors discussing an issue. So much of digital video now in the political sphere is like this, this sort of cheaply produced 
uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, sort of text over images or mm-hmm. or someone kind of explaining an issue to the camera. You see that a ton in your news feed, um, not to mention sort of general cooking videos that, that end up there. But you guys are really sticking to that sort of desk anchor discussion. It's almost more of a TV-esque it, format. It kind of is. A better way to describe Do you view that going forward as uh, – the sort of the way that you're gonna is that a, the bigger part of your video strategy, or would you, could you see yourself doing animated Young Turk shorts and yeah. other video that might be popular on Facebook? Or so the answer is both. Uh, so we believe in the one two four model, uh, which is on YouTube and on Facebook and a lot of places. One anchor is great, two anchors is fine, and every once in a while give them four anchors to get some sort of variety and mix it up and introduce new characters, etc. But that's probably too much. Uh, so uh, we do plenty of that and that's the heart of our business. And yes, it's behind a desk and it uh, looks like TV because you want to make people comfortable. You want to, So it's a hybrid between the old ways and the new ways. So a lot of people, when they see somebody just looking at the camera going, hey, everybody, what's up? Right? They're like, oh, yeah, no, that's not for me, right? And so we don't want to do that. We don't want to be the stodgy old guys reading from a script. We don't allow any teleprompters. you got to look into the camera and tell a real story like a human being. So I think we're an effective hybrid. But also, to your point, um, yes, there's new 30-second videos on Facebook, and they do the graphics, et cetera. That works well in that format. I'm not dissing that. I think that that – and it will do some of that. Uh, but for us, we're all always about value added. So you can get the news anywhere. So I think that's a short-term play. Like, hey, I came up with a thing that the algorithm likes, and so I got a lot of views on Facebook for the last six months. Okay, bless your heart. That's your game, but that's not our game. So uh, so I would do that. Like, one thing we're about to try is that kind of model, but then with an anchor at the end that gives analysis. Because they're coming to us. We're the digital campfire. So what I want people to think is when there's a big news event – they're not going to come to Young Turks for the moment being to go, okay, how many people you know were affected by that volcano? What are the numbers? What are the stats, right? No, they're going to come to us for what are we going to say about it? Oh, my God, there was a shooting. I can't wait to turn on the Young Turks to see what they were going to say about it. Again, by the way, kind of similar to when I was growing up, and I think I can't wait to listen to Howard in the morning to see what he's going to say about this. So if you don't do so that, personality va- driven over yes. the over the whatever the news event might be, because you can get that news really. Anywhere. Yeah, because that news is commoditized, and if, even if you've got a winning formula today, it doesn't mean you'll have a winning formula tomorrow because there'll be a new platform and there'll be a new competitor with more money, yada yada yada. But they can't replace our passion, and our personalities. We build characters. By the way, yeah, they will come and take our host from time to time, but they're missing the point, which is it's a theme, it's an idea, and that idea produces those passionate hosts over and over and over again. And I think that's the winning strategy. All right, great. Well, Cenk, thank you so much for for coming in. Uh, That that about wraps it up for the WSJ Media Mix podcast, the election special. Uh, Thanks for joining us.